Welcome to Show Your Scars with me, Jordan Angeli. Using my experience as a former professional athlete, I will take you inside the journey back from a devastating injury. Although we may not choose for this to happen to us, we appreciate who we become in the process. Now, let's dive into this week's episode as we share our strength and show our scars with pride. At the ACL Club, we know how important good nutrition is during the recovery process. That is why we are all about Juice Plus. Juice Plus is 30 different fruits and vegetables in capsules that synergistically work together to help your body at a cellular level. Unlike supplements, which can be hard for your body to fully absorb, Juice Plus is just food, so your body recognizes it and puts it to work right away. I personally used this during my last rehab in 2011 and noticed such a big change in my recovery, inflammation, and overall health that I've been taking it ever since. It's such a good way to bridge the gap between what we get every day and what we need. If you want more information about Juice Plus and how it can aid your recovery and life, go to jangeli.juiceplus.com for more. Hey, Show Your Scars. So excited to have a new podcast episode for you guys. And it's a really interesting one because we're going to team up with Emily Barnhart, who is the Injury RD. She works specifically in the nutrition realm to help people with injuries find a good way for them to be successful in nurturing their body through those challenging times. If you haven't heard of her, go check out the Injury RD and all the information that she has on her website. But before you do that, actually, just listen in to what Emily has to say because this is such a fun conversation, learning more about what can help during ACL injury recovery and a few different tips and tricks from her. So here she is, Emily Barnard. Emily, so excited to have you a part of the ACL Club and chatting with us um, about all of your knowledge in nutrition. So welcome. Yeah. Hi, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really thrilled. You're the first nutritionist we have had in this capacity. We've talked to um, other people. Is that the correct term? Should I call you a nutritionist? (laughs) Uh, I mean, technically I'm a dietitian nutritionist. It's confusing. I can try to clarify for you if you want. Um, but either one, I, I will not be offended if you just, if you call me a nutritionist. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, I I like that. It's the dietitian sounds a little bit, it sounds a little more, (laughs) um, formal. So I like that, but not formal enough to be like snooty. And I feel like that is really (laughs) when, when I've been looking at some of your stuff, you're so relatable. And I think that that is what uh, struck me at first when looking at all of your um, information, which we'll get into. But I first, I just want to start with you, Emily, and um, a little bit more about how you got into being a certified dietitian and kind of this route that you have paved in your life. Yeah, well, you actually just gave me the perfect segue because relatable is the ultimate compliment to me. I never, ever, ever felt like nutrition was something I quote unquote should go into because it's something that I, you know, I grew up in gymnastics and, and all of the stereotypes that you might guess are things that I somewhat experienced and nutrition was just a struggle. I never felt like I was quote, perfect enough to go into nutrition. And I was having this conversation with a really good friend of mine in grad school. And he said, that's exactly why you need to become a dietitian because people don't want to talk to people that have perfect nutrition. People want to talk to people that understand and, and 
can show leniency and and grace in this process. And um, luckily, I listened to him. And and I guess maybe to clarify the dietitian thing a little bit, we have to we have to go to grad school. We have to match into a a medical program, almost similar to a, a doctor matching process. We have to take a board examination. So you know, it it is a process, and it was a daunting one to get into. But yeah, that word relatable is is why I'm here. So you mentioned your friend that was like, this is exactly why you wanted, you should do this. But how did you even get there? Like, how did you go from being a gymnast to saying, okay, I think I want to help people with their, their thoughts about what diet is, because I think that is the biggest misconception. The word kind of holds this negative connotation to it. And it really shouldn't like, I I think we're in a really lucky place, especially all of us who live in the United States that we have a choice a lot and what we mm. want to eat and our diet and what it can be. So, um, yeah. How did you go from that gymnast to deciding that nutrition was your, your path? Yeah. Well, I always knew that I wanted to work in sports specifically and with athletes. And I originally went to school to become a strength coach and wanted to work in college, uh, as a strength and conditioning coach. And then um, you know, again, met some people along the way. I ended up in grad school at, at Ohio state. I, I won't be obnoxious. Oh, H. oh, okay. Maybe I will be obnoxious on this <laughs> podcast. I'll say the Ohio state. <laughs> I, I just um, lived in Columbus for three years. So I, I, and my brother went to Ohio state. So I got a little uh, of that okay. OHIO in me. <laughs> okay. You get it. So yeah, I ended up at, at the Ohio state and I was exposed for the first time ever to a real sports nutrition program. And they have dietitians on campus that, you know, work with athletes and they set up this environment. And when I saw that, I just was like, holy moly, my experience as an athlete would have been very different if I had these type of people in my corner. And, you know, another, like you're, you kind of said it as well, like diet shouldn't be intimidating. And I always say the big difference between a dietitian and and a lot of nutritionists is not necessarily the the food recommendation piece but it's this understanding that yes we have a choice but there's a lot of factors that go into our nutrition decision making so i i maybe will throw a hot take at you right off the bat here let's do it throw it away <laughs> i mean throw it at I- me no, don't throw it away <laughs> I have a very firm belief that, you know, quote unquote, discipline and willpower play mm, maybe 5% of a role in people's decision making. I think, you know, our culture, our environment, our um, maybe limiting beliefs around food, our genetics, all of these other things, our tastes and the type of foods that we like and the foods we grew up with, um, the way that our parents maybe talk to us about food or maybe some pressure as athletes we feel about how our body should look and beliefs around food that way. Those play a huge role in your choices around food, even more so than, you know, if I give you a piece of paper and I say, these are really great foods to include, right? That's great. But 99 times out of 100, I need to have a much bigger conversation about how do we include those foods? Or, you know, 
can you include those foods mm-hmm. and what does that look like? That, that's interesting. And I, I wouldn't say you're wrong. I'm just thinking about myself <laughs> and some of the things that, you know, I can have the willpower to choose between this and that, but also if I know that this is a comfort food to me, because that's how I grew up. Like I'm going to always go to that comfort food and yeah, not, it's not always a bad thing. Um, no, no. I would say it's very rarely a bad thing. Comfort foods, like even this dreaded emotional eating, which like, heck, let's talk about ACL injury and emotional eating. I think it can be a tool in your toolbox sometimes. Like hmm. it can be a coping skill. It just cannot be our only coping skill. Mm-hmm. You just a second ago, you were talking about all these other factors. Is it, Do they need to be broken down or do you just need to acknowledge that, hey, you know, I could have this willpower and this strength, but also I have all these other things is just acknowledging those things. And maybe what are those factors that maybe ch- drive people to serve, to not serve, but to choose certain diets or choose certain things in to incorporate in their diet? Yeah, I think they definitely should be acknowledged and and we can break them down because they're different for everyone. So every time I work with someone, we call it uh, identifying their speed bumps. And it's those factors that make some of that nutrition decision making hard for people. So, you know, one of those might be, I don't have time or I don't know how, that's a big one, right? I don't have time to cook. I don't know how to cook. So if I'm working with someone and I'm recommending some meal prep options, and it's going to take them four hours every Sunday, they're going to be like, F off. I'm not going to do that. Right. So we have to work around that and include what they need with a time constraint. So then we start talking about, well, if we're going to go, you know, through a drive through, what can that look like based on your goals? If, you know, we're going to go to the grocery store, can we pick up a rotisserie chicken or what are some frozen options that are helpful for you? Or, you know, kind of like working within that speed bump, or sometimes the speed bump is money and we need to talk about some cheaper option. Sometimes the speed bump is those more kind of emotional limiting beliefs. Um, I, I literally just got off a call with an athlete who I, I call her a, I tore everything kind of athlete. Like her knee was just a wreck. Right. And, and she is quite nervous about weight gain in this process. Like a lot of athletes are. And also she has a very big goal to get back on the core and to, and to heal and, and to do these things. So for her, a big speed bump is actually being willing to eat the things that I need her to eat. Like putting carbs on, on your plate at every meal can feel very scary or, you know, eating sometimes for some athletes, eating three meals a day can feel very scary or eating, you know, the certain energy level that I'm, I'm asking them to eat. So the speed bump is more of a mental speed bump of how do we talk through why this is okay, why this is the right move to get you to your goal and kind of get over some of those, those fear factors. It's so interesting because I feel like so much of this recovery ACL specific, I, and I want to, I know that you do a lot with just ACLs, which is really interesting to me and why you got into that lane, but 
ACL specifically is most of the things are just mental. Yeah. It's they, they speed bumps, no matter what they are, our mental speed bumps, our emotional speed bumps that, you know, it's not the physical thing. It's not actually the eating itself. It's not the working out itself, the physical things that we're doing. It's the mental things that we, those limitations that we've either put on ourselves or the fears that we have to get over. And I think you hit the nail on the head there with a lot of people are fearful that with the lack of movement and, and moving for so much of our lives as athletes, we then are going to go, okay, well, how do I eat without moving and feel like I'm still an athlete? Yeah. I think that's what people are are nervous about. Yeah. And I can give a very logical response to this. and, And sometimes this works well, sometimes not. Um, so when we talk about your metabolism and, and specifically, you know, your resting metabolic rate. So if you were to lay on a couch and, and watch Netflix all day long and, you know, whatever, just kind of like become one with your couch and we've all, which happens a couple of days during this rehab. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if we were to strip away all of your movement, your body is still using a lot of calories. It's it's using calories for your brain. It's using calories for your heart. It's using calories for your immune system, for your menstrual cycle and your hormones that are, you know, we don't want those to be as important as, but they're really freaking important, mm-hmm. right? It's using calories. I mean, your, your tissues are all constantly turning over and that takes energy, right? Your muscle is always breaking down and building up. Your bone is doing the same thing. So your body, you know, on a normal day, roughly 70% of your energy intake is just going to those foundational systems, right? Then we have a chunk that's going to your digestion and, you know, you got to like spend a little money to make money, right? We got to mm-hmm. use a little energy to, to make energy from our food. And then we can talk about movement, but that movement piece, mm-hmm. unless you're like a crazy ultra marathoner, that movement piece is like 20 to 30% of the puzzle. Okay. And what happens is the shift that occurs after a surgery, one, a surgery alone can make your resting metabolism. So those foundational systems, it can bump that 10 to 20%. Because you're healing. Because you're healing, right? And that's the point. We have this whole new system that is requiring attention. Even though you are, again, melting into your couch and becoming one with that couch, your body is working incredibly hard. And then two, you know, walking around on cut on crutches takes significantly more energy than just normal walking. And the difference between pre-surgery before this injury happened and after this injury happened are actually not that different because of those factors. And and a calculation that I like to encourage athletes to try, I don't normally love to like talk about calories because, you know, people can get crazy with that kind of thing. But I will say this as a checkpoint for yourself, nine times out of 10, when I do all my fancy nutrition math and I'm working with an athlete one-on-one, especially an ACL athlete, like you said, I've I've worked with a lot of them. There are a lot of you out there. (laughs) Um, If you take your body weight and divide it by 2.2, that's how you get your body weight in kilograms. And then multiply that number by 30 to 35, and that will give you a calorie range. And if you look at that range and you are significantly under it or significantly over it, it's probably time to reconsider what Mm. you're doing. 
because and 99% of the time people are under it. Yeah. I I would believe in that. All, in all the athletes I've worked with, when I do that first session and kind of get a look at what people are doing day to day, I have only ever had one athlete in that range. One. Every other athlete I have had to tell I need you to eat more. Wow. That, right? I love that you said that because one of my questions were like, what are, what's one of some of the myths that I, we need to debunk when it comes to nutrition and what people think? And I think that's a big one right there is that yeah. I'm eating too much. It's really important for people to understand it. And I, I preach a little bit more on like the recovery side of like, you need to sleep, like sleep mm-hmm. being a huge thing right after surgery. Like if you're yeah. constantly awake, as you just mentioned, your body's doing all these other things and its attention is in all these different areas. But when you're sleeping, you're in this zone where your body can actually focus on healing and recovering and rebuilding what it needs to rebuild. So sleep, not just when you're recovering, really for all of us is one of the most underutilized um, forms of recovery. But it's good that you said that, that you pointed back to you're, you're probably bumping your caloric intake up a little bit more post recovery anyways, because your body is working hard to heal. That's why, you know, you do feel tired. You do feel like you're worn down and you haven't done anything and you need to give yourself a little grace and say, all right, even though I feel like I'm not doing anything, my body is working overtime right now to recover from all of these foreign substances, all of this foreign interaction with my knee and the rebuilding that was done in surgery. And it's okay to tell yourself that you can eat and that you need to recover and uh, all those things. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that's really important, I think, for people to hear. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's easier said than done a lot of times for a lot of people. It's very, you know, some cognitive dissonance going on. It's hard to hold both of those truths at the same time. But it is, it is, I always say that nutrition cannot speed up this process for you, but a lack of nutrition can definitely slow it down. Ooh, that's good. And not eating enough is basically a one-way ticket to spending longer on the bench than you Mm. want to. Mm, That's really good. Uh, Why, this makes me think, why ACLs? Why, how did you get into just this specific work with people going through ACLs? There are a lot of us and I don't like that, but I also feel like there is this community who is desperate in a way for this type of work and whether it's nutrition, mental training, whatever it is they're there and they're, they're ready for this. So how did you find this little nook of people? Community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, part of it is, is because the community exists. I mean, I originally became very interested in working with injuries in particular, all injuries, not just ACLs, because I, I worked in baseball and I worked pretty closely with our Tommy John pitchers. So that's basically the ACL of your elbow. Right. Yeah. And those guys were in rehab for a long time. And, you know, I learned a lot about the emotional turmoil of what a 12 month rehab looks like and the pressure and how it changes your eating habits and all that stuff. So that's why I wanted to get into injuries. And then when I started this practice and started, you know, reaching out to physical therapists and and trying to connect myself, I found all of these groups. I found the ACL club. There's tons of virtual ACL physical therapists. And I was just like, this is, you know, it's, it's maybe sad to say, but like, this is a cool world. This is a community that's like 
accepting and acknowledging that this sucks and we're going to get through it together. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I want to be, I want to be a piece of this world because I think I can contribute something at this table. So that's easy. Yeah. I like that. And that's kind of, I think the people you find what is helpful for people by looking at gaps in the, whatever the system is, you know, I felt like there was a gap and I wanted to help people feel like they were a part of something, even when they felt isolated. And for you, you found that, man, this community is, isn't isolating, right. That everybody was helping each other out, but the gap was, well, not a lot of people are talking about what we're intaking during this, maybe what our minds are intaking, what we're talking and, and, saying to ourselves, but not what our bodies are. So um, I am curious about just the process of working with ACL patients, because typically when you go through an ACL, you know, surgery is coming up during, you know, in a week's time. What are some, you don't have to give everything because I want people to also be intrigued to come and work with you. But what are a couple of tips that you give people pre-surgery to say, hey, if you're stocking your fridge or if you're looking to have something good to intake after surgery, these are the the few things that I would recommend. Yeah. And I will say I'm, I'm, I appreciate you saying that, but I'm happy to give away all of this for free because I already give away a, a post-op survival okay, guide well, for free. So oh, yes, let's I give did it not- all away. I did notice that. <laughs> so we'll put a link to that survival guide um, in the show notes so people can go and link that and, and get it right away. Yeah, but I would say, you know, kind of the overview of that is if you are, if you have not gotten your surgery yet, I'm sure you have heard that the goal prior to surgery is to build as much muscle as possible. And obviously nutrition can support that. It starts by eating enough. It starts by eating your protein. And I think the piece that is left out sometimes is eating your protein consistently throughout the day. So you might have heard we're aiming for our body weight and protein. Well, you can't just eat a hundred grams of protein at dinner, mm. right? We mm-hmm. need to spread that out throughout the day. And the reason is, you know, I mentioned earlier that your, your muscle is always turning over. It's never stagnant. It's either breaking down or it's building up and it knows which ones to do, or it knows which way to go based off signals that it's getting. And protein can send a very strong signal of builds and repair and, you know, be a strong. Once it's digested, it sends that signal. Okay. Right. Right. So we want to send that signal as much as possible. And and research tells us that 20 to 30 grams of protein every three to four hours does the best at sending a strong enough signal and kind of holding it throughout the day. Mm. So we, we want, you know, sometimes I think of it like a seesaw. We want a balanced seesaw. You can't have all your protein at breakfast. You can't have all of it at dinner. You want it. You want those signal sending meals throughout the day. Yeah. So that's part of it is building muscle. And then prepare for the symptoms after surgery. So likely you're not going to want to eat. You're going to be on pain medication. You're going to be glued to your couch. You're going to feel like crap. You might be nauseous. So we need to plan for some very easy options that are going to be gentle on your stomach. So a Mm. lot of people will load up on on protein shakes and smoothies and things like that. That's wonderful. Um, I have a couple recipes. If you go through my Instagram, you'll you'll see them of like 
some things that you can make ahead of time and throw in your freezer. And then when the time comes, you can just throw it in the microwave. But in general, when, when we're nauseous, we need foods that are room temperature. We need foods that are um, kind of bland, to be honest. Like you're not going to want like something spicy. And we need to kind of focus on small bites throughout the day. Mm -hmm. um, so things like peanut butter sandwiches or things like crackers or like goldfish comes up a lot or um, fruit or, or things like that. So kind of load up on, on some of those snacky type items um, because for the first few days after surgery, you're not going to want to eat. And uh, we just talked about sending all those signals. I, I need you to eat. Yeah. And maybe another tip with that is to not, not just buy it, but whoever you're living with to tell them, Hey, I'm going to need help with this because I'm not going to want to eat. And I need yes. somebody that's on my team that is going to help me. That might be a parent that might be a roommate, um, a significant other, whoever it is. I communication is so huge and bringing them in the process and saying, Hey, this is going to be hard. And we know it's going to be hard, but I need you to help me at least know, like, can you go get the peanut butter sandwich for me? Can you go get the protein shake for me? Because yep. I think also those people want to know how they can help. Yes. I am. I am so happy that you brought this up. One, as a reminder to the athletes, like ask for help, please yes. ask for help. The amount of times I have encouraged athletes, like you have a question for your physical therapist, ask, they want to answer it for you. Your mm -hmm. friends want to know how they can help you. Right. So if you are the athlete, please, if you take anything away from this episode, it is okay to ask for help. And if you are a friend or a family member or whatever, food is a great way to show love. I have a friend who actually just gave birth yesterday. I sent her a frozen lasagna and I was like, throw this in your freezer on a crazy day, throw it in the oven. You don't have to think about it. Right. And mm -hmm. she was like, oh, this is great. Right. When your friend is injured, we can kind of think of it similar. You can send them a DoorDash gift card, or you can actually send them DoorDash, or you can send them a frozen meal or make them a meal and bring it over. Do not ask them to come to your house because travel and transport is going to be hard. <laughs> Go to their house. Yes. Yeah. Bring food with you. And maybe if you're really feeling kind and want to offer help, like offer to clean a little bit or, mm. you know, if you're like a close yeah. friend, that one can be tricky, but you know, food and, and helping with some like daily tasks are, are a really nice way to help your friends. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about protein is every protein made equal? Ooh, good question. Uh, when it comes to protein, that signal is basically sent through an amino acid called leucine. And leucine can be found in all animal proteins. So any meat or chicken or fish or dairy are going to be great sources for you. If we're going to go the plant-based route, I like to encourage things like beans and lentils, because those have a little bit more leucine in them. Um, or if you would like to go with a plant-based protein powder, make sure it's covering that leucine piece. So mm -hmm. off the top of my head, um, like Naked is a good brand and garden of life or gain, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, if people choose to be plant-based, like I absolutely support them in that. Uh, but I, I'm a, I'm an animal protein gal. It's just better Me at too. signaling that muscle. Yeah. 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 I just feel, I just, honestly, some of the things you're talking about and some of the things I know now, uh, gosh, when was the last time I tore my ACL? I don't know, 15 years post ACL. 
I wish I knew when I tore my ACL, just how my body feels on, for me specifically, um, beef protein. Like I just feel stronger and Mm -hmm. that is not the same for everybody, but I think it is important to give yourself the ability to try, try different things and feel where you feel stronger. But, um, it's interesting that you mentioned that. And maybe, I don't know if there is a higher percentage of, what did you say? Like life leucine leucine in, um, specific animal products. But, um, yeah, I just, I think that is good knowledge. Gosh, there's so much knowledge that I wish I knew then. And probably (laughs) how, how you felt too, when you went into that nutrition, um, the place at Ohio state where you're like, Whoa, all these people just are given this advice when they're an athlete. And, um, so that's what I'm hoping with you too, is that people feel like, uh, supported and what you were just saying, no matter what kind of protein you choose, I'm, I'm willing to work with you, but, um, that it is a little bit specific to you and yeah. it's okay to experiment. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, no matter what we can make it work. Um, it's just, if, if we choose, you know, plant-based, it takes a little bit more, I don't know, not necessarily effort, but like, we need to make sure some boxes are being checked. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're someone that doesn't mind making sure that boxes are being checked or doesn't mind like putting a little bit more thought into it. Great. If you're someone that like, doesn't want to spend more than 30 seconds a day thinking about your food, um, you know, go, go animal based and yeah. you'll, you'll be covered. Yeah. Right. What about collagen? <laughs> um, okay. So just going all the big hitters. I have a, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on collagen lately. It is definitely one of the most common questions I get there. The research in collagen is really split. So there is some research that says it, it's helping and it's helping with the strength of rebuilding tendon, no matter when you're using it. So you could be 15 years out of your ACL and and taking collagen might help, right? There is other research that says it's not doing anything. There is not really any research that says it's hurting. So what I say and, and what I've started to see is if the other pieces of your puzzle are in place and we are hitting those easily, right? We're getting enough calories. We're hitting our protein goals. We're getting fruits and veg. We're getting carbs, whatever. Sure. Like, why not? There's no harm in including collagen, especially if we're timing it correctly, right? You want to time it an hour before your most active part of the day. So PT or lift or practice. Um, and we need to include it with some vitamin C and, and need to have at least 15 grams, yada, yada, yada. But I think a lot of times athletes are like, oh, I'm taking collagen. My nutrition is covered. And they neglect some of the other more important pieces. So I have started to get away from the collagen conversation a little bit because I I think there are other things that we need to prioritize first. Okay. Well, what are they? I want to know the other (laughs) pieces that we're ignoring and we need to know as people recovering from ACL or maybe you might not be in the first stages. Maybe you're late in the game and you're just like, oh, I don't something needs to change. I need that X factor. And to me, nutrition is such an X factor and not only recovery, but life as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so obviously eating enough is one of them. Mm -hmm. The timing is another piece of that, making sure we're getting three meals a day and probably a snack or two. Um, A big one that comes up a lot is I love my athletes to try to get at least five antioxidant or anti-inflammatory sources per day. So that would be any fruit, any vegetable, 
um, any nut or seed or any kind of quote unquote healthy fat. So like olive oil, avocado, salmon is a really great one, tuna, things like that. I would love for you to focus on trying to hit that rather than focusing on doing your collagen correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe other supplements that we could play around with first would be creatine. Uh, creatine I know is working and creatine I know it's helping you. And it, again, there's very, very little risks when it right. comes to creatine. Another one would be omega-3. Again, I know it's helping you. Um, there's very, very little risks. Most of us are not getting enough naturally through our diet. So I feel pretty confident starting with kind of those factors before we prioritize or or bring collagen into the puzzle. Right. Is there any, I know we kind of start off, started off with a myth that you debunked that people are not, you know, people think they're eating enough and they're not all, but one of your athletes has ever eaten enough calories. Is there another myth that comes to your mind that you feel like, Hey, I, this is how we should be, or can we reframe our thinking around X, Y, or Z? Mm. Um, I mean, I guess one that comes to mind, cause we were just talking about collagen. I can say definitively collagen gummies are not doing anything for you. So, uh, Throw I them out. You to, yeah. Don't waste your money. Are those like um, those hair, hair, I mean, again, I can't really speak on your hair and nails. So if that's what you're taking them for, sure, whatever. Um, Ask your dermatologist. But when it comes to your ACL, um, Mm -hmm. it's it's not doing anything. I like that. Throw those little gummies out. But I I think even before that, you said that myth. There's a lot of good points that you made about creatine, about uh, omega-3s, about things that you can incorporate. And I think that's one of the nice things about your one-on-one program or that people can work with you and you can give them a little bit more structure for them individually in this process. So why don't you tell people about what you offer um, as a part of, you have a lot of different things that you offer on your website. Yeah, I I really believe in accessible care. <laughs> so I have I have different price points for a reason, and all of them have been built built out very specifically so that they are helpful. And I'm not just like selling you something. Um, and and I continue to tweak them and, and make them and make them better and stuff like that. So uh number one, you can always send me a message on Instagram for free and I will chat with you. The beauty of being kind of a, a small following right now uh is is I can answer my DM. So for free, I'm happy to have a conversation with you and we can chat and, and I'm happy to help. That's and always that's, that's at injury RD, correct? Yeah, it's injury injury underscore RD. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So you can always send me a message uh, or my email is at emily at injuryrd.com. Um, so that's always a starting point. Uh, of course, I have a one-on-one program. It is a three-month program and we really dive into making it very personal. So the first session, of course, I get to look at what a normal day is for you and, and what you normally eat and some of those speed bumps that we talked about. I also like to develop uh, nutrition values with people. So I bring up this big list. Uh, basically, if you've if you've ever been to therapy and, and done this, it's a similar ex- exercise. Uh, so it's a big list of, you know, I want to prioritize foods based on how they taste, or I want to prioritize foods that help my healing, or I want to prioritize foods that are cheap, or I want to prioritize foods that help me maintain a certain weight or, or something like that, right? There's a big list. So I get to learn 
what you value and what you think. So then when we we build out a program and, and we figure out how to work around your speed bumps and all that kind of stuff, I'm making sure that I'm valuing what you value um, and not just, you know, coming at you from from my biases or, or whatever. So that's a really fun part of it. Um, and then it's just it's tailored care throughout that three months of, of making this process feel really easy and, mm-hmm. and getting through those mental barriers and using nutrition as a tool, whatever stage of rehab you're in. I've worked with people two years out from their surgery. I've worked with people two months before they got surgery, right? Wherever you are, whatever your sport is, whatever the age is, it is tailored to how nutrition can help your goals. So that's my one-on-one program. And then I have a really fun group program. It's called Feed the Quad. And this is, <laughs> I'm so proud of that name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's This is for ACLers that are really looking for some of that nitty gritty. They want some more support. They want to learn how and what to include and what foods are right for them and maybe how much to eat and that kind of stuff. They want um, you know, some, some tailored care and they, they want to get after it. They want to use nutrition to to move forward. Um, so that's feed the quad. And, and, uh, right now that runs every quarter, but I don't know, stay up to date and you'll see when it's, when it's running. All right. Uh, yeah. It's a really good name. So I do give you a pat <laughs> on the back as well for that one. Uh, what, um, when you were talking about your one-on-one, the, I like that it's three months because this is information that I have stored in my brain and you tell me if it's right or not, because you probably know more about this, but I have learned that your blood cells regenerate, your whole system of blood regenerates every 90 days. So if you're, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that might surprise you. It sounds right, yeah. But that if you put stuff in your body and you're expecting results within four weeks, well, that's, you might see results, but you're not gonna see the full effect of those results unless you really instill uh, habit, unless you really instill this for a longer period of time. And that always has driven me that, um, when I try something new to stick with it for a good amount of time, knowing that my blood, that one cell that is affected positively by this maybe is going to, uh, replicate itself. And then over time, I'm going to be this whole new person, not really whole new, but inside (laughs) transformed over 90 days. So you have not heard that, but maybe it's something that we should look into. It makes sense. Like when I look at blood work, there's, you know, like your A1C, it's not worth testing more than once every three months because it's not going to change. Right. And that's a measurement of blood cells and things that are happening within your blood cell. So that makes sense. I, I believe you when you say that, but I think also is giving yourself three months. It does two things. It makes it so that this doesn't have to be overwhelming all at once. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've like thrown kind of the tip of the iceberg here, but I'm still like throwing facts your way today. There's a lot that we can talk about and trying to do that in like one 60 minute session is really hard. And you can't just like take all these things and then magically expect yourself to go do them perfectly. So yes, there's some accountability and, and we, we can kind of do things one step at a time. And two, it lets us take, you know, create grace in this process. 
change is hard and trying new things and learning new things is hard. And uh, it's feedback, consistent feedback that I've gotten that I'm very proud of is people learn how to be a little bit kinder to themselves and they learn Mm. how to have some grace in this process. And I have always said like, I don't do meal plans because I will never hand you a sheet of paper and just say, get it done. Cause I don't, I don't believe in that. We've already talked about kind of discipline is 10% of this and, and that kind of stuff. What I will do is I know what I want your meal plan to be in my head. And then step by step over three months, I will guide you in the right direction and we will problem solve and we will, you know, talk about the speed bumps and we'll go, mm-hmm. sometimes we'll go one step forward and two steps back, but that's fine. We have another session where we can go three steps forward and that kind of stuff. So it just, it gives us a lot of wiggle room to take things slowly, to have grace for ourselves and to, you know, maybe address some of the the mental things that are are coming up in this process. Yeah. It, it, there is such a big scoop of grace that you need during this whole process. And one of the things that I like, is you said, change is hard. And one of the the way you approach and your perspective of approaching this ACL recovery, you can acknowledge that and say, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm having all this change in my life, especially the change of not being able to participate in whatever sport that you were, you were participating before, I think sometimes change in the midst of that is a nice time to actually incorporate another change because you're already uncomfortable. You already don't feel like, okay, this is everything, you know, that's why I would highly recommend people listening to reach out to you and to look at this nutrition piece, because it's kind of easier to make change when you're already making change, when things are already changing, then you find this little bit of grace for yourself and you say, okay, well, I can learn this. And maybe I felt progress in my diet or what I was eating. And you're also eating things that maybe aren't helping you recover, but that's the grace, right? And I think yeah. that that's something that I've noticed in, in your content is um, yeah. you're here for the things that also bring us joy as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. <laughs> you I want love- the cupcake, you can have the cupcake. I, I'm never, ever, ever going to tell you not to have, not to have the cupcake. I, I love that you said that so much. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Nutrition is one way that you can find an opportunity within this injury, right? Which can be so important to do. It's also a way that we can find, you know, some forward progress that's completely unrelated to physical therapy, right? When I'm working with someone for three months, a lot of times they experience some kind of setback within that three months. And that's really challenging, right? And it's going to happen. You are going to have setbacks related to your knee. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that your nutrition or whatever we're working on can't keep moving forward. So sometimes like it's nice to have an extra thing that we're working on that, you know, is helping your knee, but it's unrelated to the setback in physical therapy. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's nice to have something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it can be all, all consuming. I remember yes. times where I was just, all I could think about was what I had to do next in PT and could I do it? And was I capable and was I able, or was I, was my mind right for that? And to, yeah. you know, that's why I, I think what you said about nutrition is good, but I also think people finding you know, that journaling is so helpful that finding an activity that sparks creativity is helpful because your brain needs a rest too. And, um, sometimes that rest could maybe come in the form of cooking or maybe come in the form of meal prep. 
but there, regardless of if that is the rest that your brain gets, that nutrition is always going to be helpful to you. And it can be a real, um, it can help propel you in the direction that you want. So, um, and I'm sure you've had a lot of athletes now that get done with the three months and just feel empowered. And that probably Mm -hmm. is a really good feeling for you. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I can literally see the weight come off, right? Mm -hmm. My whole goal is that, you know, this is not stressful. If I will say, you know, if you're listening to this and you are stressed out about food or stressed out about whatever, then a hundred percent, we should talk because nutrition, like you have so much going on right now, food and nutrition and all this, like it doesn't need to add to that. It should not be stressful. So there are, I mean, there's a few athletes I can think of in particular that I like, I was like, I literally saw that stress leave their body and it was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. So if people want to just get more information or learn about how they can work with you, what are the good ways for them to reach out to you, Emily? Yeah. Um, so yeah, check out my website. There's a contact form on my website where you can just send me an email. There's also an application form for my one-on-one. So you can fill out that form. I learn a little bit more about you. And um, on that form, it says, you know, do you want to set up a call? Do you want me to text you? Or do you want um, me to just like set up a Zoom with you? Um, so I'll, I'll reach out to you and, and we can chat. And one thing I say is like, I, I'm a dietitian. I'm not a salesperson. So, you know, on those chats, even if you know, we decide that working together is not right. I will still make sure that you are walking away with some, some kind of answer. Like, I'm not just going to get on that call with you and, and sell a program to you. I'm going to get on that call with you and and see you as a human being and mm-hmm. and chat with you and get to know you. And, and that part I find really fun. Um, mm-hmm. So you can always fill out that application. And then, like I said, you can see me on, on Instagram and, and send me a message. And um, yeah, at least at the time that I'm saying this, I, I don't have a massive following. So I'm pretty good at, at answering my, my DMs. Yeah. Well, just because you don't have that doesn't mean that you, you, you're so knowledgeable. And I think that you shouldn't discredit yourself from your following to, to what you know, and how much help you are providing with so many people. So I know that when people watch your videos, they'll probably feel like I felt that you do have so much intention and so much heart behind what you're doing. And you're not trying to sell them something you're trying to empower them to see what they can do with their life. And that's, that's a really cool thing. So, yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I have, I have so many people that will just send me a DM and say, you know, because of your content, I, I ate three meals a day after my surgery and I wouldn't have done that. And like, honestly, that's what it's all about to me. Or I'll have like an athletic trainer reach out and be like, oh, because of your content, I was able to navigate this conversation with my athlete. And I'm that's, that's fantastic. That's, yeah. that's real. That's all I'm looking for. Yeah. It's huge. Um, this podcast is called show your scars. And I know that you were a gymnast. I have no idea if you have any scars, <laughs> but one thing mm-hmm. I love to ask people before I let them go is what do your scars mean to you? Ooh. So yeah, I don't have any, any major scars. I haven't had an ACL surgery. I have some pretty embarrassing injury stories. (laughs) I can throw one of those at you if you want, but I think, 
my scars really show me that I am I'm resilient and I, you know what I'll tell you the story because it's okay let's bring people, it on bring it on if people have listened to me long enough they can earn this so uh, I was a cheerleader in college. I cheered for UConn, uh, so a pretty big That's basketball awesome. program. Yeah, it yeah. was so much fun. Yeah, glory days. Um, so it was right before Christmas, and and we, thank God, this was really before like YouTube took off. So you can Google it, but you won't find it on YouTube. Um, right before Christmas, uh, we wore Santa hats, and I had really, really long hair at the time. And for some reason, I wasn't thinking, and I warmed up my standing backflip on the sideline because whenever people shoot or whenever the players um, did free throws, we would do backflips if they made them. I kept my Santa hat on for some reason and thought my hair would just stay. So I'm, I'm at a basketball game. There's 15,000 fans there. And while I'm upside down, and UConn I... is very good at basketball. If you guys <laughs> don't know that. <laughs> uh, yes. We both the men and the women won the national championship this year. So, so nobody was watching you at all when this happened. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. The ESPN cameras were there again. I haven't found it on YouTube. Please okay, don't, good. if you do find it, don't tell me, I don't want to see nope. it. <laughs> um, so yes, I was doing my backflip and, um, my Santa hat came off and my feet landed on it. And I just Charlie Browned right into my face. I ended up with two black eyes and a concussion. And I guess the silver lining is I got out of my chemistry final the next day. Uh, my professor emailed emailed me and, uh, well, I emailed him and was like, I have a concussion. And um, he was like, well, you have, you know, a B plus in the class. Do you want to just take that? And I was like, yes, please, please. <laughs> um, so yes, I have slipped on a Santa hat to give myself oh my a pretty decent concussion and uh, unfortunately I have more embarrassing stories, but I'll, I'll stop yeah. with that one. <laughs> I, I like that, that you acknowledge, okay, I don't have any like physical scars, but I think there, we have mental scars as well. And mm -hmm. that's okay to acknowledge those too. And say the things that I've overcome, you said you you're resilient. And that, mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's a really good, um, indication of also the resilience you want to build and people through what you do. So thank you so much for sharing all your helpful tips with us. I know there's going to be a lot of people listening to this who feel very empowered and hopeful leaving this conversation. Good. That, that is definitely the goal. So thank you so much for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and really found it empowering how Emily speaks about nutrition and diet and how it can enhance our recovery. Shouldn't be something that we go full throttle, 100% perfect all the time, that there's a little leeway and that's just perfect in life, right? And in this recovery, you're gonna have good days, you're gonna have bad days. But to do something that can be an X factor in your recovery, something like nutrition, is very important. So make sure you check out Emily. All her information is in the notes of this episode and see what she has to offer on her website because there is a plethora of really good options that she has for everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed this. And remember, go out there and show your scars with pride. <laughs>